Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So we're going to jump into the series, The Source of Healing. And the last week we picked up part one and we looked at Jesus the Healer. And that is online if you want to get that. Uh, it's on Facebook, but it is on our link tree uh, link. So if you don't know what that is, you can go to the wall at the back there at the resource set. There's a barcode there that you can scan in. And the teaching is online, but also on SoundCloud. Last week we looked at Jesus the Healer. And just a quick recap and an introduction again for the series on healing that we're busy with the source of healing. John 14, 9 says, Jesus replied, Have I been with all the signs, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him unto you? And so last week we really emphasis or emphasize really a, a, a kind of <coughs> down into the reality that Jesus and God is one. If Jesus did it, then God will do it. If Jesus did it, then God will do it. And this specifically is the truth that we need to submit to us with regards to our expectation when it comes to healing. The life of Jesus perfectly represented the heart, the nature of God. If Jesus did it, God will do it. If Jesus did it, God will do it. And that's really uh, uh, an amazing truth. This morning we're going to look at walking by faith. And uh, faith is a, a very interesting topic within the body of Christ. And uh, it's been made things that it's not intended to be, or faith has been uh, kind of tried to, 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 to be used for things that was never intended to be used for. And so this morning we're going to look at a bunch of those things. But before we get into the word, I want to get to raise your expectancy, or to encourage you to raise your expectancy. I can't raise your expectancy for you. I can maybe stir something on the inside of you, but you need to raise your expectancy. And I want you to raise your expectancy when it comes to the area of healing in your life. If you need healing, if you need, if you trust in God for miracle, raise your expectancy that it's God's desire for you to have that. But you need to decide because it's already on God's heart for you to experience that. Let's raise our expectancy and then also to walk more confident in this area, to be more bold, to be more convinced of this area of healing, God's miracle working power that is for us and to us. Then lastly, to also not just receive this for yourself and receive healing for yourself, but also to be equipped, to be established so that you can pray for others and for us, and you can also minister healing to the sick and the broken heart. Amen. So, uh, we see throughout the word, most of the time when Jesus ministers to people, and when I say minister to people, he's not so much praying for people to be healed as much as he's using authority and speaking to sickness. Okay? You guys get what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not that Jesus is praying to God for the individual's health. He is speaking to the problem. He is declaring the problem to go. So he's directly talking to the problem. We see this in, in Luke as well, where Jesus says, speak to the mountain. Not speak to God, speak to the mountain. So it's a little bit different. Oftentimes when it comes to the area of healing, we speak to God about something for the individual, or even for us, versus speaking to the problem, speaking to the sickness, as Jesus did. Blind eyes be open. Not God, please open their blind eyes. He spoke to the blind eyes. He spoke to the lame man. Peter, uh, always said, uh, uh, Peter and John, when they walked in the temple uh, uh, and they saw the lame man at the temple asking for money, they said, they didn't talk to God about his lame. 
They said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. So they spoke to the problem. They declared, in the name of Jesus, you rise up. You stand up from this lameness. Amen. So, so that's, uh, that was my next society. But uh, oftentimes in the Bible, we see instantaneous healings or miracles. And the challenge for us with the body of Christ, and that's why when we look at this morning, we, we don't always call a number of reasons. We're not going to get into the number of reasons because the number of reasons often just becomes another crutch for us, another stumbling block, so to speak. But oftentimes we don't see the instantaneous healing, the in the moment healings as Jesus did. And so when that doesn't happen, we need to know okay, cool, what do we do now from here? When we don't see the instantaneous, when we don't see the manifestation, what do we do? Let's quickly look at what does walking by faith really mean? We can't talk about the problem, the pain, the situation. Oftentimes we have this concept. Walking by faith means that I can't, I can't talk about the problem because that's a negative confession. And how is the, the body supposed to minister to the body if the body doesn't know what the problem is? For instance, if Devon has got a problem, he's got a chronic sickness and he's going to die, I can't minister to him and come next to him and come and agree with him if he doesn't tell me about the problem. Right? And then afterwards, one of the important things for us to understand is we, we've got this concept of walking by faith and just having a positive confession and confessing the word and quoting the word that's going to solve the problem and there's part of it. But an unbeliever can also quote the word, right? Okay, an unbeliever can quote the Bible. A believer has got a different authority when they quote the Bible, but Jesus didn't quote the Bible when he ministered healing. Okay? He spoke to the problem. Because the quoting of the Bible is primarily for the gospel, the message of the Bible. So there's quoting of scripture oftentimes linked to the gospel being ministered, the message of redemption, the message of forgiveness of sins. And so quoting the Bible isn't as important as believing the Bible. Believing the authority we've been given. And a, a good example, an illustration to use with regards to kind of praying for someone and then kind of not seeing the results and then you tell them just believe that you received it and it will be yours. I like to link it to the example of if you've got a black mum on your house. Anyone know what a black mum is? It's a very dangerous thing. Okay, so if you've got a black mom by your house and you sit there and you see the black mom and you say, in the name of Jesus, get out. And then you, uh, you see it doesn't get out and it just says, you like, by faith I believe the black mom is not in my house anymore. You can't have people do that. <laughs> you won't do that. You won't do that. Um, and so the, 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 the challenge is this when there's a problem in your body, in your house, identify it. Faith is not afraid to talk about the problem. Faith is not afraid to acknowledge the problem. Faith is bold and confident in the source of power being available to and say, like, this problem is beneath my feet in Jesus' name. This will not hold cattle. And so faith looks at the, the, the bull and takes it by its horns. Doesn't pretend like the bull's not there. And so the, this is really important for us to understand that walking by faith is not 
and this idea of like, let's not talk about the problem, let's pretend like the problem is not there. No, let's talk about the problem, but let's glorify Jesus over the problem. We're not going to magnify the problem. We're not going to have a pity party over the problem. We're not going to talk for an hour about the problem and then try and give 10 minutes to Jesus and pray into the problem. So it's important to, to understand that because uh, uh, oftentimes we get caught up in this presumptuous faith where we, we kind of just think that the problem is going to leave just by not focusing on the problem. No, the problem could kill you if you don't acknowledge that there's a problem. If your arm is cut off and you, you're bleeding out, that's a problem. You need to deal with it. You can't by faith say, I'm not going to die, I'm not going to die. <laughs> 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 then you fall out when you with the Lord. You're going to break something, you don't have a problem. But uh, we need to, on earth, we need to acknowledge the problem and deal with it by faith. James 1 verse 6 to 8, let's go and take it with And so, we're going to go over time just slightly, but I'm also going to kind of uh, try and move through the, the message as quickly as possible uh, without you missing out on what the Spirit wants to minister to you and submit to your hearts and minds. So, James 1 verse 6 to 8 says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all his way, in, in all his ways. So this is very important when, when it comes to the, the topic of faith. Um, it's really a matter of, of not being of two minds. That's why it's so important when it comes to understanding the nature and the character of God. If you don't understand that God is good and His desire for you is only good, that His will for you is healing all of the time, how do we know that? Because Jesus healed all of the time. So if Jesus did it, God will do it. If it was on Jesus' part, it's on God's part. So that is being single-minded. This is God's will. This is God's desire for my, for my life. I can have faith in that, not wavering that this is God's promise, that this is His desire for me. So if you don't submit that truth into your heart, you will be double-minded. You will be of two minds. Now, is this really God's will? Does He does want to teach you something? If, if you've got that mindset over a, a matter, then when you press in and when you sit back and allow sickness to take its course, you understand what I'm saying? Like we need to be sure, we need to be convinced of who is God, so we can be single-minded over the word, single-minded over His character and His nature so that we don't waver. So that we're not like a wave, one minute we best this side, the next moment we that side. But let's define faith a little bit more this morning. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. We live by faith, uh, or we walk by faith, we don't walk by sight. So what is this faith talking about? Um, it's not talking about, let's live by faith, let's, let's Believe in this, this. I've got a two bedroom house. Let's by faith believe that we're getting a three bedroom house or a four bedroom house. Let's, let's not be focused on what we see currently. Let's see something bigger. Let's see something nicer. That's often how we want to appropriate faith in our lives. But in this context, it's important to see that the promise of eternal life, spirit, soul, and body, redemption, full redemption at, at the at, uh, Jesus' second coming, his second return, our bodies, everything will be restored, will be perfected. And so in context, you're walking by faith, not by sight, is linked to that promise, believing in the perfect plan of God. 
this is talking about the promised holy spirit that was given as an engagement ring, the fashion translation says. And so we need to understand that walking by faith is believing in something way beyond your natural carnal desires. A good word? <laughs> we see this in Hebrews chapter 11 as well. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews 11 is, a, as they call the great wall or great wall of faith. And we see all of these men and women of faith accomplishing amazing things. But let's start at the beginning. And uh, we need to also understand when it comes to Hebrews, well, let me uh, read first and then we'll uh, share. Now, faith is the assurance. So, what are we talking about? Faith. Faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Who's hoping here? Not completely. The author is here hoping for something. The author is writing something. Right? So oftentimes we, we read the Bible and correctly we, we put ourselves in a position. But before we can put ourselves in a position of what the author is writing, we need to understand what is the author saying. And then from that point of view, apply it to our lives. Because if we just jump right in there, we often misapply and misinterpret the word because we're actually carnal and we, we focus on self. None of you obviously guys are going to come this morning. Um, now faith, the author's right. Now faith is the confirmation, the title, deed of the things we hope for. Who is we? It's the people who are also going to be listed now. We hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith receiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. What is this talking about? This is not talking about the dream you're hoping for, the job that you're dreaming about, the, 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 the amazing ministry that you want to have one day. That's not what this faith is talking about. What is this faith talking about? Verse 2 For by faith, trust and Holy further, born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. Who is the men of old? It's not me and you. It's the men of old. And then it goes into linking the Old Testament men and women of God, Abram, Sarah, David, Moses. So what were the Hebrews waiting for? What is the author writing about? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is the author writing about? Not whatever you want in your faith to hope for. Whatever you want faith, whatever you put in your faith and write now, whatever you're hoping for. The author had something specific in mind. What were they hoping for? It's not a true question. The promise. The Holy Spirit. Jesus coming. Jesus dying. Jesus fulfilling the world desire of God. That is the faith that the world is writing about. That faith is the assurance of things we know for. And then it goes on to just kind of put the, the final nails on the coffin. I'm going to share with you now how this link to healing in a moment. We're going to go there. Hebrews chapter 11, same chapter after we've looked at all the great men who were not faith how they had to report and to report their good testimony. We see Hebrews chapter 11 wrapping things up by verse 39 and 40. These were the true heroes commended for their faith. 
Yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised to them. But now God has invited us to live with something better. Say better. Yeah. Something better than what they had. Faithfulness. This is so that they can be brought to finish perfection alongside us. What is faithfulness? So it's right here, it says that these guys received the good report. They did something amazing. They accomplished something amazing. And it lists some of the miracles, the, 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 the great things that happened in history. But that was not the final product. That was not the fulfillment. They, they accomplished something by faith, but that was not the perfection of faith. We are experiencing faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Well, a good, uh, a good place to go is into the, into the next chapter. Right? Because the uh, Hebrews, one chapter follows after the other. So oftentimes, if we, we, we believe, feel like we, we, we hang in, just continue reading. So, what is faithfulness? Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, then, so therefore, what in light of what we just looked at, Hebrews chapter 11, what is faith? What is, the, the, what is faith all about? It's the substance of things hopeful. Not what you're hoping for, but the Hebrews hoping for, what the Israelites hoping for, what the world is hoping for. The promise. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses who bore testimony to the truth, all of their lives on testimony to the truth. What truth? The truth of the promise. God's declaration to the world. Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so easily dealt and cleverly clings to entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Now, oftentimes, when we think of sin, we think of the act of sin. But in Hebrews, we see clearly that the sin that, that entangles us and messes things up for us is basically just the sin of unbelief. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Hebrews, the Israelites' sin was not believing in God. They did not put their faith and their trust in God, so they could not enter and receive the promise. Because that's how you receive the promise. How are you born again? How are you saved? By faith. Believing. Not by doing, by believing. That is how we receive the promise. So sin is unbelief. Sin is believing contrary to God. Believing something different. Being of a different mind. And that belief, not in God, not dependence on, on God, not yielding to God and making Him Lord of your life because He is Lord. You can't make him more Lord than he is. But to your love and your reliance on him and your obedience to him, you decide to what degree is Lord in your life. And so when we do that, we live lives that are holy, lives that are showing forth the glory and the goodness of God. But when we don't do that, we don't believe in his goodness. We don't believe that he is Lord. We don't Believe that his plans for my life are better than my own. We start living some sinful lives. We start hurting people. We start living in sin. We start living unholy lives. How amazing is that? That if you desire to live more holy, all you need to do is 
like Jesus Lord, of your life. Yield to his love. Get to know his nature, his character, and the byproduct will be fruitfulness. Verse 2. This is key. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. There's so many things that are distracting and wanting to distract us from Jesus. The dreams and the goals that you may even set for your life, the, the, the things that you think that faith was intended for. Jesus uh, ministers to the, to the scribes and Pharisees, the religious people of his day, and they were distracted. They were looking to everything else than Jesus. They missed the Messiah. They were, Jesus says that you've got your noses in the, in the scriptures, but you failed to see that they point to me. And so they were distracted. They thought of Jesus is going to come in this way and he's going to be a political leader and he's going to come and just overthrow powers and authorities and things like that. But he came very different. He came as a servant. A king that came to serve. A priest. Looking away from all that distract to Jesus. Who is? Now listen, we're talking about faith. We're talking about faith's fullness. What is that? Looking to Jesus. So, looking away from everything, everything that you think faith is intended for, everything that you're hoping for, everything that you're holding your life around. Looking away from those things to Jesus, who is the leader, the source of our faith. He being the first and center for our belief, and is also its finish of bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the pride that was sent before him due to the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the passion, I love for the Amplified says, is the leader and the source of our faith. He's the leader and the source of our faith. Before Jesus died, before Jesus accomplished what he accomplished on the cross through his death, his resurrection, and outpouring of his spirit, faith looked very different. Faith was used very differently before that time. Like we see in Hebrews chapter 11, they used their faith to look ahead of something that was not yet seen, that was not yet made visible. But now we looking back have already seen and experienced and heard about what Jesus accomplished. So our faith has not been brought to perfection. Because faith was always intended to put our trust and reliance on God and the promised Holy Spirit. And so they could not receive that because it was not yet given. It was not yet poured out. And so we're looking now back to that. And now we are experiencing faith in a very different way than what the people of all of them. So we're talking about walking by faith. Galatians chapter 2, Paul paints it down really well for us in verse 20. From the Passion Translation said, My all identity has been co crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life was empowered by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. My new life. Your new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God. 
not your faith in Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus. It's not your faith in Jesus. It's not your faith in something. It's the faith of God Himself, Jesus Christ. His faith. That's something very different. There's no limit to His faith. We can limit it in our lives, but you've got everything that you need. Walking by faith is basically walking in our new identity, becoming to believe us, being convinced of us, walking and growing and becoming completely persuaded by who we are and who we are. Now, question to ask is what are you doing to become more persuaded? How is your life set up that you're cultivating a life that is growing in persuasion of this reality, of this truth? And you guys are here all at church this morning, so well done. Well, that's part of it, sitting under the word, coming together, or taking together the spirit. But this is one day out of the week, two hours out of the week. How's your life looking? What are you doing to cultivate? You set things in motion so that you can become more persuaded by this reality. Because if faith has been brought to perfection in us through the spirit of God, then we don't lack any faith or anything. Let's look at some tips that Paul gave us on this matter. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 says, To truly know him, make they love everything. From my past, I've thrown all my hopes from the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now. So that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord and all of his greatness. Is there some things in your life that you need to go through from the garbage heap and consider it as a pile of manure? Dumb, cow food. <laughs> Ask yourself that question. What are you holding on to? What are you boasting about in your life? What is preventing you from knowing the reality of Jesus Christ and embracing Him as Lord and all of His greatness? All of us have got things. Don't think that you don't have something. And you just pride. And guess what? Your pride will prevent you from growing in the love of God. And maturing into the fullness of who he is in you. Also said this is first Corinthians, the same, the same concept. This is profound because Paul had a great seed. He had a great seed. If, uh, if there were ever great seeds, Paul would, would have been like he would have been in the top five of uh, candidates to uh, be promoted to be the next uh, guy in line to take over the, the, the religious uh, uh, throne, so to speak. And he said, I looked away from all of these things and I considered it a garbage heap, like a pile of manure. And I love the, the bluntness of Paul, right? It's good to be blunt. Sometimes we, uh, we want to kind of beat around the bush, we want to <laughs> be, be nice about things, and there's a time and place to be nice. But oftentimes, nice doesn't beat to the heart. It doesn't cut. 
to the heart. And we need cutting to the heart. And so he says this in 1 Corinthians 2 2 as well. For I resolve to know nothing. Say nothing. I resolve to know nothing. To be acquainted with nothing. To make the slave of the knowledge of nothing. And to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and crucified. This is, this is such a vital key and a component for us to, to walk out by faith of victory over sickness and disease. It's becoming fully persuaded that what we have is enough. And the only thing, one of the keys that we see from Paul's life to facilitate, to kind of enable the life of fully persuasion, if that's correct grammar, I don't know, one of the things that we need to do is to cut away the flood. To let go of some stuff. To put some things aside. To create a room where it's just us. It's not my education, it's not my upbringing, it's not what I've been taught in church all of my life. It's not all of my goals that I've set, it's not this milestone, that milestone, it's not the next season of life, getting married, then having kids, and then having a good retirement and beauty, and then this and that, next. They just cut it away. They just, they just put it aside and count that in here. Because oftentimes, this is a, a popular business, Christian and business kind of analogy, we call this. Oftentimes we want the, 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 the status, the, 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 the limelight, but we're not willing to take on what that responsibility is going to come with. And the same thing for us, like, we, we all want to be these, these men and women of faith. And I'm speaking gently, um, so they just kind of, if the, if the good friends put it on, let's grow up, let's mature into what God wants for us. But we often desire these, these lives of fruitfulness, of, of impact, of significance, but we're not willing to cut away some stuff. We're not willing to follow the examples that have been set out before us. In the Bible and then also in the body of Christ. We see marriages or lives that, that's carrying significance or, or lives to be envied, so to speak. And we're not willing to ask the question, why do they lay down? What have they sacrificed? Let's just call this an example because it's easy. Someone none of us knows personally, so it makes it a little bit easier. He made his, his ultimate goal to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to all want to nothing except Jesus Christ, knowing him and knowing his, his message. Coming to a close, and I'll wrap this up quickly and just seeing again this, this fact and reality that we've got the power. Now you can say with me, I've got the power. <laughs> I've got the power. Now understanding again what faith is, what it was intended for, and how it's come to perfection in all of us. Because that's understanding that and Knowing its position in our lives, knowing, so to speak, its authority in our lives or over our lives will enable us to, that's why I said all of this is linked to really receiving from God and seeing the manifestation of healing over our lives. 
Understanding where faith is and where the power resides is crucial. So where does the power reside? Second Timothy 1 67. How do you release this? Wherefore we be in remembrance. Say remembrance. Remembrance. You remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to remember. It's important to remember, and we are by nature people who are forgetful. Take myself for example, for my last birthday. <laughs> so we need to remember the things of the word. Paul is writing the same Timothy. Remember and stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Where? In thee. In you. The gift of God is inside of you. But we need to stir it. And then he says, the gift that we, which uh, we see you by laying on my hands, and I'm just referencing the, the, the prayer of, of Paul, the ordination of Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, so he's, he's lifting. What is this gift? Stir this gift of God. What is the gift? For God has not given us the spirit of fear. So the gift of it is the spirit of God. This gift has got a specific, uh, the, the gift of God has got specific attributes. It's not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Guess what this word power means? The same word we see in Acts. It's dynamite. It's dynamite. It's, it's supernatural ability. That is living way. Inside of you, you've got the power. Amen. You've got the power. I've got the power. The, the problem is that we don't believe we've got the power. We forget that we've got the power. And this is something that we need to stir. This word stirring is talking about a chemical reaction. Now, the problem with, with a chemical reaction when you put ingredients together to, to kind of uh, get a chemical, chemical reaction going. Oftentimes we put the ingredients together and it's there, but it's not being stirred. But when you stir it, something happens. The chemical reaction is to do. In the end, it can't stop. That's good. It's the end, it can't stop. That's good. So uh, we need the story. That's what Paul is referencing here. We need to stir this gift. We need to activate it. And oftentimes that is being activated when we come together. Proverbs 27 17. For iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Then he also instructed in Hebrew state that as you come together to stir one another unto love and good works, stir, provoke, spur one another unto love and good works. We need one another. We need to stir this thing. We need to stir the power. We need to come to activate it. Philemon 1 verse 6 also says this. Break or that communication of your faith, the living out of your faith, because that's communication of your faith. The living out of your faith may become effectual, effective by what? Acknowledging every good thing which is where? In you, in Christ Jesus. You've got the power. But we don't know what we have. We're not acknowledging. We're not recognizing what we've got. We think that we don't have it. And that's enemy's greatest attack on your life. Dangling a carrot in front of you, saying, like, you don't have it. You don't have it. You need to jump through this suit. You need to go through ministry school. You need to do this Bible college. You need to do all of these things before you get there. Those things help. 
But you need to realize you already have it. You've got the power. The power of Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. That salvation power didn't just bring you salvation and, and, and make you right with God and make you united with God, but that same power is the power that Jesus used to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to cast out deadness. Jude 120, last two verses. You want to any man in that fashion foundation, but you, beloved, building up yourselves in most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. The fashion translation says it like this, but you, my delightful love, Prince, constantly and progressively, say constantly. constantly. Constantly means that you don't just do it once a week, but it's as much as possible. Constantly, progressively, build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. You're not praying to get more faith. You pray and you get reminded of what you have. Sitting under the word is not to show you what you don't have. It's to cement you in what you already have. This is super important because if you're constantly living in a life of, I don't have it, I don't have enough faith, you're fighting a losing battle. You've got enough faith. You've got the faith of the Son of God living on the inside of you. That faith brought you to salvation, brought you to right standing with God. And now you are enjoying faith's fullness. And that faith, that gift is also a gift of power. So it's good to understand why this faith, how does walking by faith, what does it ultimately look like? And like I said, this is the greatest attack on the body of Christ, is making us believe that we don't have the power, that God is holding back. What do we see in Genesis? The temptation to, to Eve. God is holding back. It's something you don't have. If you do this, then this will happen. That's not God's heart. God is not holding back on us. He's given us everything. We've got the power. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.